Thessalonians. Greetings in the name of Jesus Christ our King. We are so excited for this opportunity to share the Word of God with you through your favorite program, The Moment of Truth. We are at a critical moment in God's plan for humanity, and God is said to do awesome things in and through individuals, families, communities, organizations, nations, continents, and across generations. As we proclaim the Word of God in the following series, you are going to receive illumination and direction, especially those in the Valley of Decision, and hopefully you'll be accurately positioned for the current move of God. So, sit back and relax. Go ahead, call your family and friends, and get ready for a life-changing encounter with the Word of God. As you do, your life will never be the same again. Father, we bless you this morning. We come to your table today. Father, look into you, Father. The Father, Lord, you will give to each man, Lord, the portion that belongs to them. Amen. The Father, every man will be satisfied from that which comes from you. Amen. Of our own, we can do nothing. But through you, we can do all things. And so, Father, today I stand in you. That I pray, Father, Lord God, that you speak your counsel to your people. Amen. Lord, we'll pray by the reason of your word that, Lord, situations will change. That the reason of your word, things will turn around in the name of Jesus. Thank you, our Father. We'll bless you, Father. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Praise the Lord. Please, you may be seated. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You know, every time I've done this, pastor has not been around. So today that pastor is around. Anyhow I do it, please forgive me. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Okay, um, with the little time that is before us, uh, the message today is pretty simple because the brother that took um, missionary force and the ID that took opening prayer, both of them have preached the message. Praise the Lord. Doing God's will. Now, one of the things I've discovered is that when you go into any Christian gathering and you, the preacher begins to talk about God's will. There is something you find out amongst God's people. Now, everyone wants, as it were, to do God's will. And so, as it were, you find out that if there's a prayer that is raised along that line, that grace be supplied for people to do God's will, you will see the chorus of Amen. You will see the, 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 the zeal, as it were, that people use in responding to such a prayer. But the irony that I found also is that in terms of priority, the least priority is given by the same people to doing God's will. When it comes to praying it, the voice is highest. But when it comes to indeed giving ourselves to doing his will, you'll find out something that it becomes the least thing in our priority. Praise the Lord. Now, so let's just understand, put in context, what exactly is the will 
Now, will of man, will of God, and all of that. So we'll just look at some definitions so that we will understand what God's will is and we'll understand what our role should be in doing God's will. Praise the Lord. Now, it says that the will is a fixed and persistent intent or purpose of a being, a person. Now, so in this context, God. Something that is fixed in the heart, heart of God and persistent in intent and purpose. Meaning God is not going to shift consigning these. It is fixed. It is persistent. And so it is the same yesterday. It's the same today. It's the same tomorrow. It is fixed. It is persistent. That is what one definition of will says. Now, will is also seen as somebody's determined choice. Now that God has a determined choice about you, about me, about certain issues, about certain circumstances in your life that God has made a determined choice is God's will. Praise the Lord. Now, another definition puts will this way. The choice which is made. A determination or preference which results from the act or exercise of the power of choice. Now you see in this particular definition where yourself and myself begin to come in. In the first two definitions is a choice that is made. So for example, God has made a choice. God has a fixed, a persistent intent in his heart. Now in this particular one, in the third definition, it begins to tell you the preference which results from the act or action of power to choose. Now at this particular point, you, me, come to the place where you have the preference, you have the power to exercise a choice in either doing that which God has persistent, consistent, intended for you of another person. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, and the final one I want us to also, just like the third one, is said is the power of choosing, the faculty or endowment of the soul by which it is capable of choosing. It's a faculty in man. You know, man is three-dimensional. The spirit, the soul, the body. Now, in the dimension of the soul, the man that God created has a capacity that God puts in that man to make a choice. Now, so it's the exercise, in the exercise of that power and that capacity, that endowment of man to choose is called the exercise of the man's will. And now, so you find something very interesting in both the first and the second definition, and you find something interesting in where you stand consigning will. God has a persistent thing in his heart. Now, it's whether you or I will choose to do God's will. Praise the Lord. Now, I want us to understand something, and I need to put this very important. I want you to know. That there is no human being under the face of the earth. Not one. God has not created one. That of himself, by himself, can do the will of God. God has not created that one. No human being. Now, so if God, or you, or me, is going to do God's will, God is going to walk in you to do his will. Praise the Lord. And that's why Paul starts to say in Philippians, I think, 2 verse 13, it is God himself who works in you both 
to will and to do. Everything of his good pleasure has to come from him. It does not have to come from you. Now, there's an interesting story in the book of Exodus. The children of Israel did not understand this particular concept that it is only God himself that is sufficient by himself through a man to do that which is pleasing to him. Now, usually how it works is that there's something in the mind of God that he wants to do upon the face of the earth. And now because he wants to do something upon upon the face of the earth, God determines by himself, you call it doctrine of election, the person that is going to do it. And so God says, okay, this particular thing is going to be done by Biola. And he says, okay, I call my daughter, Biola is going to do this. Now, if Pastor Biola steps into that space, she must understand, after all, in the first place, it did not begin from you. It began from the counsel of the Almighty that something is going to be done. So she must learn how to lean absolutely on the almighty for the thing to be done praise the lord hallelujah praise god now the children of israel in exodus 19 very interesting read and god calls moses let's go to that place exodus 19 now this man (laughs) in the third month after the children of israel had gone out of the land of egypt on that same day they came to the wilderness of sinai and for they had departed from Rephidim, had come to the wilderness of Sinai, and camped in the wilderness. So Israel camped there before the mountain. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Have you seen What I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak through the children of Israel. And so Moses came and called the elders of the people and laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded him. Remember what we are reading? Then look at what the people said. said then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So Moses brought back the word of the people to the Lord. Praise the Lord. You can do all that God has commanded you to do. You, me, can do all. Now, you see, now when they answered this way and they said to Moses and Moses took it to God. Now, if you read Exodus from verse number 20, the commandments begin. Let's see Exodus 20. Now we need to understand what God demands. And when it comes to doing his will, we need to come to that place where we understand how we relate with God. Exodus chapter number 20. And God spoke all these words saying, now this is the commandment it has started. (laughs) I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. That's the first one. You shall not make yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above 
or that is in the earth beneath or that is in that is under the water under the earth you shall not bow down to them to serve them for i the lord your god am a jealous god visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to a third and fourth generation of those who hate me now i'll stop there i'm not going to go down all the way to 10 now this is just the first two of the 10 commandments if you go to Exodus chapter number 32, remember what they said to God. All that you have said, we will do. Now, the first two, I mean, okay, if they had even, if this was the sixth or the seventh or the eighth commandment, I would even understand that these people have done one, they have done two, they have done three, they've done four, they've done five, or at least they have tried. But the very first two commandments that God gave to them were the same very thing that Exodus 32. And when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods, the very first commandment of God, that we shall go, that will go before us, for as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, who don't know what has happened to him. Praise the Lord. Now in man, lie yet no capacity to do the will of God. Now if the children of Israel knew, they would have asked themselves in the first place. Now if God believes that I am and we are able to do all of his code. How come he begins to make provision for fall, for failure, for sin? That when you sin, this is what you would do. When you break the codes, this is what you do. If God knows that I am going to do this thing perfectly, you have the capacity to keep all of my codes, God would not make that provision. And now God made that provision because in the first place, God did not give them the law for them to keep. He only gave them the law to see their weakness that they are not able to do that which he said. So that man will come to the place where man will be able to absolutely rely on God and depend on God for everything that God wants him to do. Praise the Lord. Now. You will find out that any time that God wants to do anything, he is usually the initiator. So if he's the initiator, he is also the perfecter, not you. So he wants a race of people, he calls Abraham out, and Abraham will have a descendant that would fulfill the will and the purpose of God. Abraham needed not for any reason to depend on his strength, because everything is initiated by God, and everything will be perfected by God. Praise the Lord. Now, I want us to understand that... It is practically impossible, and I want you to understand why. Please give me Isaiah 55, 55 verse number 8 in NLT. So that you understand why God, when God puts certain things or certain requirements, or God reveals certain aspect of you to you, you find that, that what God is saying and what God wants is he wants a man, he wants a woman that perpetually, day by day, will come to the feet of the Almighty and say, Father, this is that which you've asked me to do. 
But you know, Father, that in me, liars no capacity to do it. And so, Father, I rely on you as I go today. Father, let me be that you are the one carrying me to do this thing that you want me to do. Now, this is how NLT puts it. It said, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything that you could imagine. I want to ask you a question. You see, how can you do something that you cannot imagine? See, friends, if I remember those things that we used to do English language, and then you, you get to the exam hall, they'll say comprehension. And so you now write the comprehension. Now, if you don't know, you don't know. But in that wise, they give you something and they say you should, you, you should give answers based on what you have comprehended from the text. Now, if you cannot, comprehension is one level. Comprehension is that you have even seen it. You are trying to make up something out of the thing that is given to you. But imagination is something that you have not seen. God said in his word that you cannot. His, 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 his ways is far beyond the imagination of the minds of man. Man does not have the capacity to imagine what God wants them to do. How is the man going to do it? How are you going to do it? Moses, how would you take the children of Israel to the land of promise when you did not even know that there's a Red Sea you're going to cross? And when you came to the Red Sea, Moses, you did not have the capacity to pass the sea. Moses, how will you take the children of Israel to the promised land? He expects you to lean on him because you cannot do anything. Praise the Lord. And now, I I want us to understand that there is something that is called, I I, I term generic will of God. Now, the generic will of God are some of those things that you see in the scriptures that God has told us that we should do. Praise the Lord. For example, in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse number 18, the Bible gives us one of the snapshots there. It said that in all things that we should do what? We should give thanks to God for this is the will of God. And he brings us to Ephesians and he now tells us for all things we should give thanks to God. Ephesians 5, number 20. And so now you now understand that God wants you that for and in all things he wants you to give thanks to God. That's the will of God. Now, this code was what the children of Israel also did not understand when they started to murmur and complain on their pathway in the wilderness. And they started to say there is no water. They started to say this cucumber is good for nothing. This onion, this garlic is good for nothing. They started to crave for flesh. They did not understand that one thing that God desires from every of his child is that whether you understand or whether you do not understand. When you find yourself in a state, in a situation where you can't get yourself out, God expects you in that situation to give thanks to him for all things and in all things. Now see friends, what we do not understand is that the thing and the work that God has called to you, you do not know how God works. And so if you're waiting for things 
to line before you thank him, then you would never thank him, then things would never line. Now, but if you understand that God's will is that you should give thanks to him regardless. And now, so here you are, I do not understand. My beloved son has died. And God, you know that this is the only child that I have. Now, to whom will I run to? To whom will I cry? In the midst of this pain, God says in all things, whether I understand, whether I do not understand, I should give thanks to him. Sometimes you find yourself, your landlord is just by the door, about to throw you out. You don't know where you're going the next hour. God says in all things, for all things, give thanks. And so in that situation, God expects you to go down on your knees and say, Father, I do not understand this thing. I do not know how you're going to bring me out, but I know you will bring me out because your word said you will never leave me nor forsake me. And so here I kneel before you, thanking you for that which you have going to do, which I don't know. Father, I might be on the streets the next minute, but yet your word said I should thank you. And so Lord I choose to thank you not knowing how you're going to do it and usually what happens is that how you do not know what you do not know who you do not know from the blues from nowhere will come to your rescue in the midst of a difficult situation because he has said in his word in all things for all things give thanks to God another thing that God told the children of Israel generically to do is that they should if you read the book of first Thessalonians first Thessalonians Paul started to write to the children of, of to the Thessalonians and he said to them that they should it is God's will that they be holy it is God's will that they should be consecrated Paul wrote it there, First Thessalonians 4 verse number 3. Now what is consecration? Consecration is about what, it's not about what you do. It's not about your holy and your righteous act. Consecration is about a man setting himself aside for God. A man setting his, his life aside for God. A man coming to the place where he understands that this life is for the Almighty. That is consecration. And God says that is his will that you set yourself aside for me. See friends, the same thing the children of Israel did not understand. And so the prophet will tell Balak, you say, you see this man, their own God will wipe them out. I'll just give you the code. Just release your girls. It's called the cancel of Balaam. Just release your, your ladies. These ones do not understand that the one that has called them, the one that loves them, wants them sanctified, set aside unto him and to himself alone. So release your girls. And the moment he did that, you find out that this man went into strange women and God himself started to take them out. Why? Because they did not understand that the will of God for their life is that they should be sanctified, set apart, separate unto God. And that's why Paul would say that, I beseech you therefore my brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. Now you know something? You know, in the Old Testament, Sexual sin used to be such a terrible thing. And I'll explain to you why. As a male child in Israel, when you stand to urinate, when you stand to, when you're naked, 
When you look at your manhood, there is a ring in that manhood. Now, that ring in that manhood should remind you of your consecration to God. Because it's the symbol of covenant that you had, that you people had with God. So, whenever a male child of Israel stands, that ring is always there to remind him that you're set aside. You are a covenant unto God. There's an agreement between you and your God. And therefore, there is supposed to be a deterrent when a child of Israel sees that particular ring. And that's why anytime they go about messing up with their bodies, it's usually usually very fertile. Generic. Every child of God, God expects us to consecrate ourselves to him. Is there another thing that God wants us to do generically? Yes. Paul was writing to Timothy, it is the will of God that all men should be saved. And that's why he expects you also to help in that particular bid that is his will. That all men should be saved. Now if you go through the scripture, there are so many of them generic. That God desires that you and I should do. The Bible talks that says in 1 Peter 2 verse 15. That God, it's God's will that we do good. That by doing good we'll put, the si- we'll put to silence foolish talkers. That will put to side. It's there. It's the will of God. Ignorant men. That's what God. That's what. That's how this version puts it. Other versions say the foolish talkers, people that do not even know what they say. It's God's will that you do good, that you do well. Praise the Lord. Now, haven't spoken about this. Then there is what we call the specific will that God desires you you. This one is for you, and this is for you alone. And now God's tells you certain things that he expects that you are supposed to do. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, so the question would now be, if every man and every woman loves and desires to do the will of God, why is it that we do not do the same will? Brothers and sisters, I'll tell you the reason why. The reason is because the will of God comes with a demand. The real will of God comes with a cost. Praise the Lord. Now, like I said, God does not expect you to be able to pay the cost, but he expects you to be willing to do the will. Praise the Lord. You are not the one that's going to pay. You are not the one that's going to do. But what you are going to do in the whole bargain is, Lord, I am willing to do your will. Praise the Lord. And now this is the problem. And so you find out that there is times in life that you get into situations called conflict of expectation. Sometimes this conflict come as a result of expectation of loved ones, of wife, of husband, of children, of brothers, expectation of society, of friends, expectation of yourself, expectation of God. You see, if you have been known as a pastor, so for example, Pastor Mike, and one day, for, one, for whatever reason, here is Pastor Mike. I've impregnated a girl. Don't say God forbid. Because that's, that's, that's what, what. Now, now Pastor Mike has impregnated a girl. Now there's an expectation from my wife. I mean, here's a woman I pray with every morning. 
There's a woman that I studied the Bible with every morning. There's an expectation from my children. These are children that I gather around table and I tell them that you should live holy righteously, that you should abstain from sin, from fornication. These are children that I sit down to tell this. There's an expectation from them consigning me. And I hear the church where I stand sometimes like today to minister and, and they see me as a brother, as a child of God that are certain things that I should not do. There's an expectation of the church from me and there is also an expectation of me, even me from myself and now here I am. I've thrown everything and I've watered everything down and now there's conflict all over in my soul. Now it's either for me now to either say Lord I have messed up, I've goofed I have to come to the community of brethren and, and, and come out bare and tell them brethren I missed it, I goofed. Now or I have to go take that lady and say something this shame is not going to come to me let's go to a place where nobody would know what we are going to do and we will terminate the pregnancy you will still see me as God's child you still see me as the holy brother but something has happened and something has gone wrong in my life and in my walk with God now because when God brings you to that place where there are issues pulling you up and down you come to the place of what they call the crisis of will will I do God's will or will I do my own will Jesus got to that place crisis of will. A time comes in your life where you were faced with a crisis of will. Because all around you, everybody has an expectation that they want to pull from your life. But God knows what he expects of you and you know what God expects from you. And at that particular point, it's either your will or my will. Now, if it's those ones that know that doing God's will comes with a cost and comes with a pain, they have already settled it before then that Lord, whatever it takes, I'm going to do your will. And so the shame, yes, would come. I will not be able to walk in the church. Yes, it will come. Yes, I will not be able to look my darling wife to the face. I will not be able to look at the children. But something still remains that I hold dear. That I've chosen to do the will of God instead of my will. And at that moment, I die to myself. I say, Lord, let the shame come. But I will do your will. Lord, I don't like this pain, but I love your will. Father, I don't like this thing I'm going through. But Father, if I have to go through this for you because of your will, I will go through it just because of your will. Praise the Lord. Have you ever imagined for one moment what Abraham went through? Because I was just thinking about this yesterday. How would Abraham, what would you tell Sarah happened to my son Isaac? You killed him? Do you think that moment would have been easy for Abraham? How would Abraham face Sarah? What is Abraham going to say to Sarah? How are you going to explain this will of God to me? That you took the only child that I have. You took it to one place. You told me you were coming. If you told me that you were going to sacrifice to God, I may have understood. But you told me you were coming. You did not explain anything to me. And honey, I took you for your word that you were coming. I didn't know that my only beloved son that I love, you've taken him to slaughter him. How would Abraham ever face? Sarah to tell Sarah that kind of thing conflict of will 
Abraham finds himself in that particular place and the tussle was there. How can I do this? How can I do this? Even the boy that I love, how can I slaughter this conflict of will? It happens in the work of every child of God. In this part that we are with him, it will happen. It will confront you at that particular point. You need to learn to say, not my will, but your will be done. Praise the Lord. Now see, let me tell you something. This is the beauty of God. Remember where we started from. That there's no human being that God has ever created that has of his own the capacity to do the will of God. And so before God will bring Abraham to the place where he will say, Abraham, bring your son, your only begotten son, to slaughter him. God would have done something in Abraham. Friends, the problem you have and the problem I have, you want to do the will of God that the God that you don't know. You cannot do the will of the God that you don't know. You need to know God. Then when you know God, it becomes easy for you to yield to him. Praise the Lord. And so before God will bring Abraham to that particular place, God will take Abraham through a course called knowing God. Praise the Lord. He will take Abraham through a course called knowing God. In Genesis chapter number 12, verse number, I didn't put this specific, but in Genesis chapter number 12, you find out something that here is Abraham has a beautiful wife Sarah and takes Sarah and tells Sarah you know you're very beautiful we are going to the land of people that do not know God because of her beauty they will kill me so once we get to that land you're my sister just settle that one you're my sister and Sarah said no problem and they came to this land and when they got to this land just true to his word, Sarah saw this damsel. Wow. There's no woman like this in the whole of Egypt. And so, this man said, bring her for me. And Sarah yielded. And Abraham went to sleep. Now, God was taking Abraham through a pathway. Because if Abraham is going to do his will, if Abraham is going to sacrifice Isaac, Abraham must know the God that is placing that demand. And so, Abraham goes to sleep. And Pharaoh goes to sleep with Sarah, then Sarah, and by the time they got to that place, plague hits this man, hit his household, all kinds of things, all kinds of things started happening to him. Five o'clock in the morning, 5 a.m., Abraham was, Abraham was still sleeping, and he heard a knock on his door, and he was like, ah, what is the problem? Pharaoh wants to see you, and Abraham goes and appears before Pharaoh, and, and oh, king, is it okay? He said, you're a wicked man. And what did I do? You're a wicked man. You didn't tell me that this woman is your wife. And look at my whole household, my fight. The plague wants to wipe us out. Come and take your wife. Come, leave this place. Take your wife. With hurry, he pushed Sarah, pushed Abraham. And what do you think would have happened to Abraham? Abraham would say to himself, wait a minute, what is happening here? I, God could go to this extent. God was bringing Abraham to the place of knowing. <laughs> that was the first instance second instance now because you see um, we are going somewhere second instance in Genesis chapter number 
17. Here is Abraham. God appears to Abraham and tells Abraham, by this time in the season of life next year, you're going to conceive, your wife is going to conceive and have a child and all of that. You find that in Genesis 17. Abraham laughed. He said, oh Lord, please let Ishmael, Ishmael leave. Let's just leave this whole story. Let Ishmael leave. Now, now by this time, Abraham was 99. And the Bible tells us by this time, Abraham's body was dead. And so was Sarah's womb dead. And now but something happened that night that God said to Abraham that you're going to have Abraham discovered something strange. Abraham looked at himself and saw that there's something that is standing between. Then there was no trouser. It was just wrapper. He saw there was something that was standing in this wrapper. And Abraham remembered that the last time that he had this experience was like 15, 20 years ago. What is happening to me? Then he hits Abraham that God said by this time the season of life. Now God's word has the capacity to revitalize, to give life to anything that is dead. And so God is bringing Abraham to the place called knowing. And so Abraham saw that and Abraham freezed and said, wow, there is a God that when he says a thing, he's able to do it. He doesn't need your impute. Knowing God 101. Praise the Lord. That was the second thing. And now it got to the third thing. In Genesis chapter number 18. Here was Abraham reclining. And in reclining God came with two other servants of his. And they came to Abraham. Abraham rushed and brought things to them. When Abraham brought these things to him. After Abraham, God finished and all of that was about to go. Abraham told us. Abraham I, you, you're my friend. I cannot do anything without revealing it to you. You see Sodom. Their cry have come to me. The evil, the abomination there so much. I, I, at this point, Abraham will be wondering, what's this man saying? And he said, well, I'm going to check out what is happening there. If what they said is as it is, that city is gone. And truly, by the time if you read Genesis chapter number 19, when Abraham woke up, he looked, lo and behold, Sodom was burning. He remembers the word of the Lord. And now he says, wow. This is, this being that I'm dealing with is not an ordinary being. So when he speaks a thing, he's able to do it. And so, the fourth one. Now, the fifth one is the one that we know. The same thing that's, that's mistake that our boy called Pharaoh did. The same mistake. Abimelech saw the same woman. This time Abraham have come to learn. Abraham just kept quiet. Take her, take, take, take. By the time you, you, you take, take. And indeed, Abimelech took it. The same thing. Five o'clock in the morning. Bah, 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 bah. He was expecting it this time. So, wait, Kilo Shelley, the king wants to see you. He goes to the king. What have I done to you? Like my, my, my wife. Everybody. Everybody is barren because of you. didn't tell me. Abraham just said, please don't be angry. I thought you people are wicked people that you kill me for our sake. He said, no, no, no. Bro. Now, this time, God has taken Abraham through a journey knowing God. And so, at this particular point, God can demand and Abraham give me Isaac. If you read your Bible, the Bible said in the book of Hebrews chapter number 11 verse 19, and Abraham said at that point, Abraham reckoned that God is able to raise this man. Even if I sacrifice him and he goes, God is able to raise this man. So at that point, Abraham could not struggle with the will of God because he has come to know this God that is placing this demand on him. See friends, God will always help you to do his will. You don't have the capacity to do the will if God has not taken you through the path. Praise the Lord. Wow. This is not CBS. CIBS. Okay. Now, when God has done that, 
That's why if you read Genesis chapter number 22, give us this in Genesis chapter number 22. Now see how the scripture puts it. Genesis chapter number 22. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him. Now, you see, if these, after these things had not happened, God would not place that test on Abraham. After these things, because God has worked in Abraham. That's why God will tell you to feed on the faithfulness of God. That's why God was angry with the children of Israel. And said, these ten times I have done miracles. I've parted the Red Sea. I've plagued Egypt. These ten times I've been doing this for you. When you were broke, when you didn't know the way out, I came to you. I supplied your need. When you did not know how that boy was going to be healed, I came through. I healed that child. When you did not know where you're going to get that job, I provided the job for you. These 10 times I've been working with you because I want you to know me. When I place the demand on you, you'll be able to do my will. Brethren, you cannot do the will of a God that you do not know. Now because God and his demand is way beyond the man. And so what God will always do is God will require a man to lean on him in order to do his will. Praise the Lord. I'll just give us an instance and we'll close today. Praise the Lord. You notice something. <laughs> that there are certain things that God will do for you if he wants you to do his will. One of those things is that God will reveal to you. God will bring you to the place of knowing. And, and when God brings you to the place of knowing, now God has revealed to you. God is not expecting you because I've revealed to you to run about it. No, God requires, expects you to lean on me. Remember Moses? Because Moses had an inkling of the will of God, Moses thought that by his strength, he'll be able to do the will. Moses, you don't have the capacity. And so by the time God took him to the backside of the desert and took away himself, Moses was now able to lean on God for God to do what God wanted to do. Praise the Lord. Now that's always how God works. So God will come with revelation. God will not only give you revelation. God will do something awesome for you. And that's why I was saying to Elder Idy when he started praying uh, about the spirit of God. Now what God does for us to do his will is that God gives and puts in you his spirit. Now how does it work? We are you read sir, said that God no man knows the mind of a man except the man. And no man knows the mind of God except the spirit of God and therefore God everything that God wants to do for you and through you he reveals it to you through his spirit beautiful but now when you go to Romans 8 the Romans 8 gives you the flip side of that scripture in Romans 8 Paul started to say I do not know how I'm going to pray because I don't have the capacity to pray and now the Holy Spirit will begin to make intersection through groanings that cannot be altered and in now said something he that
that knows the mind of the spirit. In the first place, it was the spirit that knew the mind of God. In this place, it's God that knows the mind of the spirit. And so he puts in you something that is able to connect God's heart and connect your heart. And within you now, you know what God wants you to do and you know how to walk. He puts it there within you. That was why when Jesus was living, he did not give you naira, he didn't give you cover, he didn't give you dollars. He gave you the Holy Spirit. He gave you the one that is able to connect you to the mind of God and connect God to your mind. It is resident in you so that you'll be able to do the will of God. Praise the Lord. And so every day God expects something that Michael will come to him and say, Father, Lord, you know you created this life I did not create myself. Father, you know your thoughts consigning me. Father, before I was born, you've already known me. And Father, my paths, the psalmist told us that before I even lived one day of my life, it's all written in your book. And so, Father, I come to you. I do not have the capacity to fulfill, to do your will. But you know, Father, you can do your will through me. And so, Father, help me to come to the place where I'm able to do your will. I lean on you Father to do your will. Praise the Lord. And now what God will begin to do for you God will begin to work out things in you. God will begin to take away obstacles. God will begin to take out resistance. God will begin to bring you to the place where there is an inner fortitude and strength in you to carry on on his assignment. God will bring you to the place where like Paul you can now say I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. You now know it's not by my power, it's not by my mind but by the spirit of God. God brings you to the place of revelation that enables you to do his will finally i want you to understand friends that when god wanted his will done upon the face of the earth there's one awesome thing that god did god brought forth his son we call jesus christ Oh Lord, you're beautiful. And so God brings Jesus Christ and puts Jesus Christ in the equation. And so God, the Bible now tells you, now God puts Christ in me and puts me in Christ. Now Christ is in me and I'm also in Christ. And so now when God wants anything done through my life, God would only push the button of Christ that is in me. And now Christ that is in me is able to carry out the will and the purpose of God. It's no longer I that live but Christ that lives in me. It's no longer I that walks. It's Christ that walks through me. And so now I'm leaning on the Christ that is in the inside. And God is bringing everything that he has planned to come to pass. And that's why the Bible said everything revolves around Christ. He has put that Christ in you. He has put that Christ in me. And the reason why he puts it is because he wants you to do his will. Because he knows because of that Christ that is in you, you're able to do the will of God. Pastor told us about the resident anointing. He said you have the Noah in you. That Noah is called the Holy Spirit. He dwells you in you. He's the descent of the thoughts and the mind and the intents of all things through the word of God. It is then you. God reveals those things and begins to walk them out one by one, bit by bit, through you. And the whole world will see the glory of God. Stand to your feet. I want us to pray a simple prayer today. I want us to pray a simple prayer today. You cannot do anything. Forget it. I cannot do anything. You don't have the capacity. I don't have the capacity. 
It's only God that can do it through you and through me. I want us to come to that place and say, Father, thank you, Father. Today I know that you're not expecting me to do anything but just to lean on you. To lean on you, to do your will, to do your purpose. Father, as your people, Lord God. Father, we cannot do anything. Father, where in our strength would we have the capacity to build citadel? Where is it going to come from? But Father, Lord God, you have not desired for us to look at ourselves, look at our resources, but look to you and look at what you can do and only you. And so Father, today we come to you today and we surrender to your will, Father. Lord, not our will, but your will be done, Father. We pray, Father, help us, bring us, take us through the path of knowing you. No man can do the will of a God that they do not know. We pray, Father, help us, help us, help us. We cry to you today, Lord God, bring Bring us to the place of revelation. Revelation is the abiding spirit. The spirit of God that is in the inside of us. Dwelling, abiding in the inside of us. To help us come to the place where all that God has required. And wants of us we are able to do. To your praise be it O God. To you who can do exceedingly, abundantly. Above all that we can ever think or imagine. According to the resident power that is in us. We bless you Father. Father, this morning, glory to your name. Jesus' precious name, we pray. Thanks so much for listening. We have to end it here today, but it's been a real joy to come into your homes to unveil the truth of God's word. I pray that the word of God you have received will sink deeply into your hearts and bring forth tangible fruit in Jesus' name. Amen. In addition, I pray that the truth you've embraced will not only set you free, but it will empower you to impact your environment positively as God's representative in your sphere of influence. Till we meet again on this platform, remain sandwiched between the peace of God and the God of peace. God bless you richly. Bye, Bye for, for now. now.